All right, uh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to What Do You Believe? This is our first podcast. I am your main man here, Joe Wyrostic, and I am with your other main man, Jared Boehm. Hey, how's it going? So uh, we have been a little delayed in starting this podcast because we had to get some things worked out on what our vision was going to be. And uh, right now it looks like it's going to be Wednesdays. Wednesdays is going to be our day to do the podcast. We're going to do it live here on Facebook, and then we will also do it uh, for a podcast. So we'll come out in the podcast, and we'll tell you guys more about that. But uh, you guys can watch it uh, here, or you guys can catch it on the podcast and our website. Right now it looks like uh, we're having a little bit of a delay on our video feed. But those are things that we might just have to uh, work out a little bit as people uh, check us out and join us. We're going to see how it looks. So you got to be a little bit patient with us. I'm going to put on my headset right now and give it a little review. We'll take this kind of stuff out for the, um, the podcast, but we have to have a good test here. We're going to see how it looks. Okay, well, that's good enough for me and this show right now. Okay, so What Do You Believe is a Pentecostal podcast. It's a voice for the Pentecostals to be able to discuss evangelism, discipleship, apologetics, and theology. You've got me, uh, Joe Y. Rostick, founding pastor of Metro Praise International, and then you've got Jeroboam right here. Hey there, I'm a pastoral elder also at Metro Praise International. We're right here in the heart of Chicago um, preaching the gospel and making disciples. Let me share a little bit of maybe about the vision. Is that something? Yeah, yeah, we have a vision of loving God, loving people. We got that from Jesus. Um, and so everything we do is about that. This podcast is about that. We are loving God and loving people by bringing this Pentecostal voice uh, to the World Wide Web, to everybody listening out there. Uh, we have a discipleship strategy of connect, mentor, and send, another thing we got from Jesus. And what's unique to us is our is our goal. So you have 50 churches in Chicago with 500 around the world and to have made 100,000 disciples. So that's just an idea of where we're at. Uh, we're an urban church. We're a multicultural church. Uh, we are Pentecostal. Um if you want to think like Assemblies of God, how they are Pentecostal, we share much in common with them in terms of the 16 truths, though we defer on some issues such as ecclesiology and um, Christian liberty. I think that'll become more apparent in future episodes, kind of where we stand on certain things. But I think what we're going to do is be really bringing a relevant uh, voice to, to Christian ministry as we get into the 21st century. Anything you want to say to that? No, I think that's good. And then the goal here is to meet weekly and to get you guys some good content. So what we want to do is put this out on our website and podcast as well as Facebook. So you see the website right here, whatdoyoubelieveTV.com. That's where you guys will be able to keep up with us. And then you guys will be able to get the podcast at the same place. Our church has the podcast on iTunes. And then as well, it will be on the app. So there's a lot of places you can get it, but I know a lot of people love the iTunes app. 
itself. So we'll be on iTunes, and then we'll be on our own church app and on the church website. So what we want to do is have different segments for the show to make it cool. So we have uh, six segments for today, six 10-minute segments. We've already started one. That's about us. Today's last segment is going to be Q&A, okay? So if you guys have any questions, bring it up right now. Or you can write us on Facebook and put questions out for the next show. And I think we're going to stick right now with Wednesdays. Okay, so let's go to About Us real quick, thinking about um, what Jesus asked the disciples in uh, Matthew chapter 16. Let's go to the title of our name, What Do You Believe? What Do You Believe is the name of the podcast, and uh, the scripture we like to use is Matthew 16, 15. Matthew 16, 15. So the cool thing is, is I will have a Bible app here that I can do for our live uh, viewers who are tuning in as well. And you guys will be able to see this. But Matthew uh, 15, uh, 16, 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And this is basically uh, what he says to them or, or does by asking them. He wants to ask them, what do they who do they think he is, right? That's that's the bottom uh, question here they're trying to get across, or Jesus is rather, is he wants to know who do they think he is. And um, he's, he's asked them, what do the people say? And then he asked them, what do you say? And that's where we get to this uh, scripture right here. So let me just get my video up here, and I think you guys will be able to see me now. Great. He says, but what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Now, this is where we get the, um, the name from, what do you believe? Because Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? This is the Socratic method from Socrates asking questions to get answers in a teachable moment. Jesus had asked them, who do the people say that I am? And they had all kinds of weird answers. And then he says, now who do you say that I am? And now we know that Peter answers correctly and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so how we want to do this in this show is really use that same method that Jesus did is have the Socratic method be a part of our learning, always coming back to you, the audience, asking you, what do you believe? What do you believe? And so that's the name of our show. The first segment that we have today is about us, and the name of the show being, what do you believe? So we want to ask you, what do you believe? Now, when we look to the scriptures, we begin to see that there are some common foundations that everybody really believes whether they live it out or not. And the first one is, is the knowledge of God. In Romans 1.18, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now verse 19, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. Verse 20, For since the creation of the world... God's invisible qualities, invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Well, this ties us into a key component right here, that when we are asking questions to people, what do they believe? 
we are going to presuppose that the Bible is true and that their belief is already acknowledging there's a God or their inner man already acknowledges there is a God. Now they can choose to reject that truth that's revealed to them, but what they cannot do is come before God without an excuse and say, I never knew you existed. So yes, there are atheists, agnostics, and then all kinds of disbelieving people in the world and different religions, but ultimately on Judgment Day, God will say, you did know because I told you through your conscience and what we may call general revelation through nature and those things, and if you would have sought me, as, a, as, as Paul had said on Mars Hill, in the book of Acts, as God has put out man all across this earth, if they seek him, they will find him. They would have found the true God. And so now what we just need to do is just uh, kind of review now what our show is going to be about. So basically what our show is going to be about is about helping you, the listener, to understand what God's plan is for your life through the major areas that we have to discuss here, evangelism, discipleship, apologetics, theology. And in doing that, we're going to be asking you a lot, what do you believe? And that's why we have the name of the show, What Do You Believe? So uh, let's turn it over to Jared and see if there's some things he wants to share there. Yeah, just to add to that, uh, when you go on in that passage in Matthew 16, Peter does give the correct answer. He, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, to which Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he speaks about a rock on which he'll build his church. Now, I'm going to, at this time, um, uh, kind of go around any possible debate. I know Roman Catholics love to say that the rock is Peter. But Peter himself in 1 Peter 2 says that Jesus is the cornerstone of, of the church on, on which the church is built. And so to make a long story short, the rock is the revelation of Jesus. It's the revelation of Jesus. So as this, uh, and that's on which the church will be built and on which the gates of hell shall not prevail, is that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Son of the living God. All of that is to say is what you believe matters. What you believe matters. What you believe determines how you live. Um, doesn't matter what you say you believe. It matters what you do in many cases. So as this message, uh, this uh, podcast goes out to perhaps un an unbelieving audience, we really want to challenge your beliefs. We want to see if your beliefs are consistent with reality. We want to see if uh, your beliefs are actually livable. And then to our Christian friends, I want to speak uh, to uh, people like myself, ministry-minded people, dedicated disciples of Jesus. I want to tell you your beliefs matter. I know a lot of times that we, we want to grow the church and we want to be successful. And sometimes theology gets put on the back burner in place of methods. Um, and, and so we say, well, we have the basic message. We just need to get different methods to get it out there. And this is where you have people 
going so far as to have Easter plays and drop eggs out of airplanes and stuff and say, yeah, and we say, man, we can't, we can't mess with that theology stuff. We'll lose people if we get into that. But I want to say what you win them with is what you win them to. What you believe matters, what you teach people to believe matters. If you give people fluff and attract them with fluff, you're going to have uh, fluffy uh, disciples that are useless, frankly. That's right. And we don't want fluffy uh, disciples. That's not what we're going for. So that was our first segment, and we're going to continue on with our first segment for the next few weeks as we hit on all the major things that this podcast is about. So we just hit on the name of it, What Do You Believe? So we are presuppositional apologists. What that means is apologist is someone who defends the Christian faith from the Bible. Apologia means gives, give a good argument. This is found in the book of Peter. So the way that we do this is we're presupposing that the Bible is true and that what God says is true. Because without the knowledge of God, everything in the world becomes uh, reduced to nonsense. And we see that Jesus used this method of establishing the truth based on who God was, who he is, because he knew who he was, that he he had come from heaven to earth with a, an assignment, and then he went around asking people what they believed, and obviously if they believed the wrong thing, he would correct it. If they believed the right thing, as Peter did, we give the credit to God, because the Holy Spirit has been sent here to uh, correct, rebuke, and um, what's the other one? Encourage? Encourage. No, no, no. Correct, so rebuke, The Holy Spirit, convict. John 16, that yes. convict people of sin, righteousness, and there judgment. There we go. Con yeah, of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. He comes to convict of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. And then Paul said um, in, in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, what the Word of God does is correct, rebuke, and encourage. That's right. So there we go. There, there was our first section uh, covered. And uh, keep joining with us, and we're going to tell you more about uh, our Pentecostal background, evangelism, discipleship, apologetics, and uh, theology. Well, let's get into our what's going on section at MPI. So we're going to talk a little bit about right now about uh, what's going on in the church, how uh, God is moving. And one of the biggest things that just happened this past weekend was the Puerto Rican Festival. So I'm going to hand it back over to Jared. Hey. Who's going to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Speaking of evangelism, we had our biggest outreach of the year. Uh, the Puerto Rican Fest. This was our 12th year, that's correct? Yeah, Nancy had told me I actually did it a year before with the youth group. So 13 for me, but 12 wow. for the church. Twelve. Wow, so that that's incredible. I've been uh, involved since 2008, so this will be my ninth Puerto Rican Fest. And I just want to just say how laid back it was. It was so chill. One of the things that um, we did was take out the band, uh, which, which made a lot less work for the people. Now, now... You may be asking why that's important. Well, we've done it every year before. We brought out the generator. We brought out the sound system that we actually use at our church. Um, we brought out food. We bring out a, a kid's tent and all these things. And we get all the people from the church gathered. This year we had 140 people. These are the people of our church that actually came out to witness. Well, what's different from this year from last year's is the laid-back approach. Instead of bringing the full band out and doing the full show, we felt those things were distracting from what it was really about. And what it's really about is getting the people of the church out on the streets, sharing their faith like the Bible says we, we are to do, to go out and preach the gospel to all creation, uh, to go and be Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth. So we did that. It was um, very successful in my eyes because we, as I mentioned, 140. Now, uh, 
I don't. I'll, I'll only boast in the Lord. But I want to ask: When is the last time, uh, maybe pastor friend, church friend, you had 140 people out there and you weren't bribing them? They were really out there to preach. Yeah, we're not. We're not talking about. Can you get 140 people out for an Easter egg hunt or get them to come serve the community and do medical missions? That's great, right? But we're talking about can you get over 100 people to do gospel-style evangelism? That's good, baby. Keep hitting on that. Yes, um, and I've seen churches. They pour tons of money and man hours into like their VBS I've seen church outreaches that rival the county fair. It's amazing. They'll hire boxers. They hire comedians. They, they do the whole thing. And, and those things can be wonderful. But the Bible just says to open your mouth and preach the gospel. And uh, I see a lot of churches are willing to do anything but that. And um, I, I, I don't want to judge people's hearts. But here's my guess why we don't do that at churches. Because the pastors know it will be like pulling teeth. To get the people out there it'll be like pulling teeth because they say no we've never done that before no we're not comfortable no we've always done it another way no evangelism has always looked like the the clowns and the, and the face paint and that stuff yeah and and when you uh and when you put it together and you say uh and we're going to figure out our mic situation here but uh, what Jared was hitting on is so good. Now, it doesn't mean we don't give away stuff. We're going to give away laptops for uh, back-to-school stuff. Yeah. We do Christmas presents, all of those things during Christmas yeah. time, bikes and all of that. But you got to keep the main thing the main thing. If all we're ever promoting as a church is these plays and skits and uh, big uh, community giveaways, how can people live that out in their everyday life? Uh, we have to teach evangelism and discipleship in a practical way because it's not like Bob can go to his job and be like, hey, I'm going to give away a bike today. Uh, who wants to go out to lunch with me? You know, uh, you know, a friendship evangelism is going to have to take place through him knowing how to preach the gospel. Yeah, you can take him out to lunch, but at some point he's going to have to know how to preach, share his faith. And if he hasn't had experience doing that, he's going to be thrown off, even with a buddy at the lunchroom. Uh, a lot of times people say to me, well, you know, going out in the streets is too hard and intimidating, but it's there where you reach the challenges, get the confidence and the practice to do it. So so that when you are ministering to your friends, which honestly is going to be the most uh, uh, kind of evangelism all of us do, you know, even if you try to do outreaches every day, you're still going to be with friends and family and workers, uh, your coworkers more than you're going to be on the streets. So the idea is going on the streets with a team gets you the practice, the exposure, and gets you the ability to be able to do it on your job and with your friends. Because otherwise, you're just inviting them to church all the time, and that's not the great commission, the great invitation. Mm -hmm. It's not the great invitation. Yeah. That's that's a good one. Uh, yeah, I'll give it just a couple couple thoughts to this before we, we transition. Um, another thing about us, about what do you believe, is we're big on fivefold ministry. We really believe that, according to uh, Ephesians 4.12, that Christ gave the church uh, evangelists, pastors, oh, I'm getting the order wrong, apostles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There we go. Fivefold, baby. Yeah. So among those are evangelists. And what do they do? Ephesians 4.12, Christ gives them to the church. And right on from there, it says that he, he does so for the purpose of equipping the saints for ministry. I just want to challenge an, uh, two things. I want to challenge the notion of evangelism, and I want to challenge the notion of an evangelist. Mm. Um, so I'll, I'll kind of do it together. Um, I think a fivefold evangelist is not so much the itinerant guy. 
I, we're, we're kind of trained in our minds. There's a guy, he's a speaker. You have bring a friend day. Come here, brother so-and-so. He's powerful. He's anointed. Come bring him. And that would be more of the great invitation style. We think of Billy Graham. We think of Luis Palau. We think yeah. of rallies. But, friend, in the in the 21st century in a city like Chicago, that's, that's really not happening. Yeah. Um, and so we need to get out of the mindset that the evangelist, number one, he's the only guy that preaches. Yeah. And number two... That his, that his job is limited to that. I believe an evangelist should be grounded in the local church, equipping the saints to evangelize. Sounds like the Bible. Come on, baby. <laughs> and one last thing. It's the, it's the first day of summer. First day of summer. Yep. I don't know where you're at. If you live in Florida, it's summer all year long. But for wow. us, it's hot and spicy, and we love it that way. Because there's people <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful. If you've ever been out in Chicago in the winter, you know you, you'll appreciate this. Friends, go out in the highways and byways. There's people where you live. Uh, go out with your church. Go out with like-minded friends. You can make this happen. You can have a culture of evangelism. Yeah, and you know what? When you're talking about evangelizing and you're talking about reaching people, Every time I talk about this, people always say to me, is it effective? Is it effective? Well, number one, does God call people in the Bible to first of all be effective? Uh, yes, but by whose definition, right? It's effective by God's definition. So am I obeying commands to win uh, the, uh, the award from Andy Stanley of the fastest growing church in his church planning network? No, I, I'm going out to preach the gospel because God commanded it. Mark chapter 16, go preach the gospel to all creation, whoever believes and is baptized is saved, right? And this is the idea, is the following of God's commands were effective in pleasing our master. Mm. Now, secondarily, does it bring forth the kind of effectiveness that you could actually touch and go, yes, this won a soul, this brought in a new disciple? Absolutely fruity tooty. Yes. yes, this guy right here was won by evangelism. We have a woman in our church actually won by the Puerto Rican Festival outreach. It literally wins souls. I did a testimonial video for our church on the souls that were saved just in one service. At the end of the service, as, as I preached on evangelism, I had them go outside and do a testimony. It was about five or six of them, some from the bus stop, some from the park. As a matter of fact, there's a woman right now serving the Lord from park evangelism I did with the youth over 10 years ago. Now she's married to a deacon in a wonderful church in Urbana. And every time I see her, she gives me the biggest hugs and thanks me and the teenagers who handed out some candy to her that day. That's how she always remembers it. She said, I couldn't resist. You guys were at the park handing out candy. And so this this podcast is going to emphasize those kinds of things, evangelism, discipleship, how it works in the local church. And so if you're just joining us live, we're going to be doing this, Lord willing, every Wednesday at, uh, at this same time, 4 o'clock Central Standard Time for about an hour, running a little late today, but our normal time will be around 4 o'clock. We're going to be putting these out on podcasts so you can get them on iTunes. You can also go to the website. You're going to see we're going to have a lot of the goodies there, our blogs and things that we're writing. And uh, today we want some of you to ask questions because at the end of our podcast, we have 10 minutes aside for our Q&A, and that's going to kind of make this uh, show lively, is that we have uh, segments, 10-minute segments that really are going to keep the show moving. We just did an About Us, told you about our name, What Do You Believe? Uh, this segment right now is uh, What's New at MPI, keeping you up to date on what's going on in our church, talking about the Boricua Fest, our largest year ever, and tons of souls were saved. And then now what we're going to do is we're going to transition uh, to What's in the News. 
and uh, Jared and I were just talking about this, and what's in the news right now is a lot to do with sexuality, okay? Now, we totally believe that God loves everybody. We want to say that God loves everybody, but what we need to do as a part of this podcast is we really need to address what's in the news, and sometimes it may have to deal with Islam. Other times, it may have to do with uh, sexuality, and that's what this one has to do with. Other times, it may have to do with politics. So you may, uh, you know, when we talk about the news, you may not agree with our political stances. You may not agree with our stance on sexuality. Well, I'd hope most Christians would, right? But maybe non-Christians are going to start watching this by the droves as well. That would be an answer to prayer too. But primarily this show is for Christians to equip you to go out and to be empowered by the teachings here. But uh, even if we disagree on politics, sexuality, or uh, the different kinds of uh, ways of church government, or whatever we get into that's in the news. Maybe uh, there's a church being sued because they had to disfellowship somebody and now they're getting a lawsuit brought against and whatever, or talking about Islam, there was a big debate today with uh, Doctor on Doctor Brown's shows, Doctor Michael Brown, between Doctor James White and, and Robert Spencer on how Muslim Christians should, uh, how Christians minister to Muslims. This was all Christian discussion. Uh, James White was saying that we shouldn't look at all Muslims the same uh, based on their uh, their beliefs. The other one was saying we should we should treat Muslims obviously in love and, and care, but we should judge them based on their beliefs and say this is really what you believe whether you act like it or not so that was a whole thing that that got blowed up in in the little christian apologetic world but let's get here to what i want to discuss today and then i'll hand it over to jared uh for some of his thoughts basically what we want to look at is we want to look at this article that came out by dr uh, michael brown he's summarizing what's happening in uh in the culture and so what what he what he uh, got here was basically a um, a article or something that had come up in the news from um, from what where was this originally? I don't know where it was from originally, but uh, he posted his on the stream. But it's about what happened in Colombia. Oh, Daily Mail. So the Daily Mail reported it here, and I'm going to put it up for you guys. Bear with us. First uh, podcast, we're trying to get everything here. Uh, to work so that you guys can see it here as well. That way the live stream is a little bit uh, more techy, but it makes it a little harder for us. Here we go. Okay, so the Daily Mail reported that uh, this gentleman, uh, actor, married his two partners, John and Manuel. Okay, now here is the, the reason why we're bringing this up today is because Christians for a long time, you're talking like I've been, you know, my parents knew the Lord even before I was born in 77, and I grew up in a church in the 80s and 90s, okay? Now, during this time, there was a lot of gay activism to say, we want to marry, we want to have the same right to marry, etc. Now, during this initial time of their activism, the Christians would come out and go, hey, this may become a slippery slope because the moment uh, we... Uh, change the biblical definition and really the societal definition of marriage one man one woman when we do that then anything will go once we break away the foundation anything can happen the building can't stand marriage can't stand and in in the 80s and 90s early 2000s everybody was like you christians you're alarmist you're bigots you know we're not going to marry brothers and sisters we're not going to have three uh people marry each other you know these were the things that we said could happen even pedophilia you know lowering the age so far down to where it 
it's disgusting. And, and they just said, no, 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 this won't happen. And yet, in Dr. Brown's article, citing the Daily Mail, we see that in Colombia in 2016, they legalized same-sex marriage, and now just a year or so later, now they're allowing this tri uh, truple, truple, I guess, yeah. to get married and to be a union. And, and you may say, well, that's just Colombia. Well, it's happening here in America right now. The same kind of thing. This is from a New York Post article. You can see it right here. This, this article saying basically the same thing, that people are now trying to have threesomes. And, uh, you know, uh, there's also a story out there that a man um, fell in love with his mother, you know, and it's just they want to get married. And it's a real story. It's not just, you know, fake hype news. And so here's what we got to go back to. Jesus was and is the God who created us. I believe in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when it says in Genesis that we were made in his image, I believe that's in, in Jesus's image, okay? The pre-incarnate Jesus before he came into the flesh. And we were made like him. And Adam and Eve were meant to reflect him and come together in union, in a holy marriage and in sexuality to reflect the fullness of his character. Not saying God is half man, half woman, but that whatever we would see as an attribute that's positive in a woman would be coming from God. And whatever is pat, uh, uh, a positive in a man would be coming from God as well. So he made two beings to reflect his complex unity. Okay. Now, some of us, like myself, I believe that uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit can be three persons in one. You know, that's the Trinity. And that can be exemplified in the family union, uh, father, uh, uh, mother, and child. Now, that doesn't mean that the mother becomes the Holy Spirit in this. It just shows that three persons share a family unit on earth. And uh, you could say children being plural. And at the same time, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit share divinity. But here's the point. Sexuality and marriage was meant to reflect God. How do we know that? Because back in the, uh, uh, back to the Bible, what do we see? We see that Ephesians chapter 5 is teaching us that it's the role of the husbands to be like Christ to their wives. And Christ loves the church. And this is the example of marriage. So as Christ loves the church, husbands are to love their wives. And now look at Ephesians 5.31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. You notice this right here? Two, making the child. The father and mother be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. Verse 32. But this is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. Okay, you want to take that over a little bit, Jared? Well, yeah, I just want to maybe ask you some follow-up questions. Maybe play devil's yes, advocate please, please do. for people that may be listening and saying, what's the big deal between, number one, a man and a man? If they love each other, that doesn't affect you. That's not bringing World War III. Uh, three guys marrying. You cite the um, the article with the man and the two women. What What's the big deal? What's... Why, why are we fighting against this so much? Yeah, and that's so good because we believe that Christian values are the best kind of values. Now, that doesn't mean the whole culture has to go to church and be Christian like me, but it simply means 
that we believe the Bible gives us the standard of morality. So that's our presupposition. That's what we believe. And when we divert from that, there are going to be problems. And so now we are seeing whenever there's a father not present in the home, there are problems. Okay. Now, some Christians will jump right to the problems to prove their point. But I want to go to the word first, even in the public uh, arena. Now, somebody goes, you shouldn't bring up the Bible. Then I would say, what is your standard of morality? And that's where we go back into our presuppositional apologetics. If someone says you shouldn't use the Bible for your morality, don't push that on me, then I want to know what they're pushing on me with their morality. Who told you not to uh, like the Bible? Or what? when you push back the Bible, what are you pushing it back with? Your opinion? And they say, oh yeah, it's just my opinion. Well then, if your opinion is all we're going by, then if enough opinions say it's okay to eat people, then it's going to be okay to eat people because you have no standard. So we want to expose a double standard when we're dealing with the world that they really do make judgments, but the problem is they don't make it on a foundation of truth. Christians do. So number one, God says that we should do it. Number two, there are going to be results, negative results. When we get away from one man, one woman in marriage, we see that with fatherless homes. We see in lesbian relationships, they have a higher rate of uh, spousal abuse. And then we see that when um, you don't stay with the same partner, uh, when man and woman don't stay married, that the children suffer from divorce. And we see that the higher, that uh, lesbian relationships and gay relationships have higher rates of divorce. And then when you add in a third partner, a fourth partner, you're just raising up those rates of divorce so children's homes will be less stable. Bible says it. It's not good not to have a singular father in the home, and fatherless homes are a problem. And then anything that adds more to the component of a family takes away from the strength of that family. And somebody may point to polygamy in the Bible. It was never a part of God's commands, number one. It was tolerated by God, and every time it's mentioned in the Bible, there are problems with it. So let's go on now to uh, our next segment, what which, which we're going to call here, Jared's Gems. Hey. <laughs> Do that again. I don't know if they saw that little thing with your finger there. There you go. Jared's Gems. Now remember, you guys got uh, questions. Let us know because the last 10 minutes uh, will be Jared's. Uh, after Jared's Gems, I'm going to bring a word, and the last 10 minutes will be questions yes. and answers. Yes. Well, this one is uh, pretty dear to my heart, what I'm going to share with you today. This is basically... Where I speak from the heart, things that uh, uh, have, have, has God has been speaking to me recently or things I've been studying. And I've been on a leadership kick lately. I've been John Maxwell Jr. Um, I've been reading a lot on leadership, just uh, uh, taking in all these podcasts and different things on leadership. I just love knowledge, you know. And so I, I want to be better at that. And um, one of the things I've been learning, let me just quickly give credit where it's due. been listening to Craig Rochelle, Live Church. Um, you can look him up. He's got a leadership podcast, and he talks a lot about how leaders empower people. Well, I, I, and, and that's just resonated so strong with me. I don't want to merely regurgitate what he has said, but I want to bring something the Lord has shown me, and it's actually, again, dear to my heart, because it has a lot to do with my relationship with the man right here next to me, I am in love with a man, and his name is, <laughs> it is what is it, Second uh, Samuel one twenty six. your love to me was better than that of a woman. Amen. Well, <laughs> well, well, you know, uh, he's, he's very humble, but I, I don't know if he would say this, but I would say in many ways he's been a father figure to me. Um, 
he taught me how to be a man because I didn't have that. Going back to the family thing, uh, I came from a divorced home, and I really did not know how to hold my head up high and and, and work and, and live as a man and gain the respect of people. And he's he's been vital. I wouldn't be where I am without him. All that is to say, I remember sometime last year we, we had a conversation, and uh, Joe asked me, he says, how do you think I see you? How do you think I see you was what he asked me. And I overthought it. And I said, as a spiritual son? As a disciple? You know? And the answer was really simple. As, as a friend. As a friend. And that spoke volumes to me. Um, let's just put some word on it. Why don't we? John 15, verse 13. Um, Jesus says, Greater love has no, has no one than this, to lay one's life down for one's friends verse 14 you are my friends if you do what i command i no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead i have called you friends for everything i learned from my father i've made known to you so if i could add anything to the leadership discussion um to speak to the john maxwell's to speak to the craig rochelle's uh to speak to how to empower people so whether you're under leadership or you're in leadership, how to empower people, it's that friendship is vital. Mutual love and respect is vital. You cannot have uh, discipleship without it. You cannot have leadership in the church without it. If there is a relationship in a ministry or a church where, for example, it's employer, employee, boss, servant, somebody's merely an intern or something to that effect, those relationships uh, do not last, they do not work, because they're not what Jesus has ordained. Um, here's one of the practical ways I think this plays out. Jesus considered his disciples as friends. They knew he loved them. Even when he rebuked them. Yeah. How long am I going to put up with you? Mm -hmm. He called Peter Satan for crying out loud. But here's the thing. You can take a rebuke when you know someone loves you. That's right. You will go to the moon and back for someone who you know loves and cares about you. And I have, I have been in ministries, and I have had friends in ministries, where there is not that friendship aspect. It is merely a business thing, and I just think that's ungodly. I think that in order to empower people, we must show that we love them, that we value them, that we... Um, have high hopes for them. Um, anything you want to add to that? Well, I would say that when we are discussing leadership and friendship and those kinds of things, what we're discussing is really what goes on within the Trinity and has been going on within the Trinity since um, as, as long as God has been God, which is forever. And so God is entering into a relationship with us based on a successful relationship that he's had within himself. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Among them is perfect communion. Among them is perfect fellowship, perfect uh, love, perfect camaraderie. This to me is the example that I was mentioning before about the family and why we need to guard what we do in the family because it represents God on earth. When it comes to leadership, 
Leadership is really just living out the relationship that you have with other people as you're following Christ. Now, remember what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So what does leadership look like? Leadership looks like me having a great relationship with Jesus and then having a great relationship with the one that I'm leading. So let's look at it like vertically as the cross has a vertical post, me and God, I have to be in good relationship with him to be a good leader. And then horizontally, that other post, I need to love others as Christ has loved me. So if I have this right, if I've entered into the fellowship of the Trinity, now I can lead others right. And so I like to say it like this, God invited us to share in divinity through the Trinity. The Trinity invites us in to part, be partakers as Peter says of the divine nature and as we do that we're going to automatically be leaders to the world around us so just think of it like Jesus says to his disciples you are my disciples so he spent three years with them now Matthew 28 he says now you go out and you make new disciples. So disciples making disciples. Another way of saying it, friends of God, bidding others to be friends of God and teaching them about that relationship. Mm -hmm. So yeah, keep going, my brother. You have a few more minutes in this section, but I'm loving it. Sure. Yeah, when we're talking about um, about leadership, I mean, there's, there's just this aspect of trust. Uh, we can't merely operate on the do as I say so sort of thing. Like if you're working uh, any you know any secular job, any place. Let's say you work at the grocery store. You have your shift supervisor. You're not required to like them. They're not required to like you. Uh, they're simply there by position. They may or may not be competent. They may or may not be friendly. They may or may not care about you, but you simply do what they say because it's obligatory that you listen to them. Um, Jesus' church is, is called a body. Yeah. It's, it's called a bride, and we are called brothers and sisters. Um, let, let me just say something that I think applies even beyond leadership to relationships in the church. I hear it's often said that we, uh, we don't have to like one another but we have to love one another but if you look at brotherly love in the bible we are constantly admonished to that that uh adelphia which is where we get philadelphia city of brotherly love we are constantly admonished to have that kind of love and affection for one another so so let's 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 kind of sew this up there can be no fakeness in in relationships we cannot fake the funk we cannot pretend to like each other and love one another it's got to be sincere it's got to be genuine in order for that to work so we have to put aside pettiness we have to be real and honest with one another accountable with one another willing to be um corrected by one another in order to have real uh relationships yeah, that's really good, Jared. I appreciate you doing that on your Jared's Gem segment. Yes. We're, uh, you know, we're doing this as our first podcast. We're having a lot of uh, just. Uh, kind of difficulties figuring it all out. Uh, we had a lot of difficulties figuring it all out. This is our best version of what we could come up with. And uh, what we're doing right now is six segments. We're doing it live. And then we're also putting it up on a podcast. And you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on the website. And then it's going to also be on our app so you can listen to the audio. We know that uh, during this time right now, 4 o'clock, which, which normally would be 4 to 5, we're a little bit over that 
that right now because we had to start late. It's only going to be an hour podcast, but but we know that right now during this time, a lot of you are coming home from work and maybe working, whatever. So we're putting it out here live so you can go back and listen to it. And then if you like to put things on iTunes, you can subscribe to us through the church, just Metro Praise International. And what's going to be great about that is you'll get all of the other content too. You'll get the content of the preaching that comes to the church, the youth group. I'm starting a 301 discipleship class on presuppositional apologetics next month in July. You'll be able to get that. And then uh, this podcast will be on there, and it will be noted by WDYB. That's what do you believe? WDYB. And then you'll see episode one and episode so forth. So check us out there as well. And so right now I want to bring you a word. There was Jared's Gems. Let me bring you a word, something to think about as you're going through your day. A lot of what we've been talking about in the church has been from the book of Ephesians, and we've been studying it out, and the series that we've called it is In Him. Well, one of the best revies that I have gotten out of the book of Ephesians is the idea of being who God says I am. So I want to show this with, uh, share this with you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. And I just want to share this word with you right now. To believe that you are who God said you are. Okay, so just believe you are who God said you are. When the Bible says you are holy as a Christian, believe that you are holy. Let me ask you this. When the Bible said you were a sinner, did you believe it? Now, most of us already knew we were sinners, right? But some had denial, not thinking they were that bad of a sinner. So there was a wrestling that kind of went on with the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin, righteousness, and judgment, how we mentioned that before. Well, what was that uh, overwhelming feeling that you had before you got saved that drew you to Christ? It was a belief, I am a sinner, right? And then you believed it. And you saw Jesus as your Savior. And so what saved you was you then saying, Jesus is my Savior. I believe Jesus died for me. So that was what you had to believe. That's, that was all you had to believe right there, was that Jesus was your Savior. You were a sinner. But now after being saved, do you believe you are who God said you are? He doesn't call you a sinner anymore. He calls you a saint. He doesn't call you a child of the devil. He says you're a child of God. He no longer says you're unrighteous. He says you're righteous. So if you will believe who you if you will believe you are who God said you are, then you will be able to do what God says you can do. Now look at Ephesians chapter 4 verse 23 to be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like god in true righteousness and holiness now this is review for a lot of our metro praise folks but those of us uh, those of you that are joining us from around the country or haven't stayed uh, you know stayed up to date with our sermon series this is good the Bible says when you were born again, you were created a new creation, right? You were made a new creation. You are not the same person you used to be. Now, who were you created like? Who were you created like? Come on, say it, Jeroboam. To be like God. Boom! You were created 
to be like God. Now, what is God like? Paul tells us right here, what is God like? Is God unrighteous? Is God unholy? Is God messed up? Is God complicated and uh, confused all the time? Is God, you know, sinful? Come on, no. God is righteous and God is holy. Well, that sounds familiar in other places, right? Uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. What are the angels saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So God is holy. But guess what? Because of Jesus, now you are holy. Because of what Jesus did, you are righteous. You are not a righteous in your own self-efforts or in your own good works. You are righteous because he is righteous. So look at this. Paul speaking again. 2 Corinthians 5.21, as a matter of fact, let me just back it up here to that famous passage that we all love, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. Can you get any more new than new? No, you can't. Come on, you can't get any more new than new. So you're a new creation. The new has come, the old has gone, okay? Now you keep following that passage down to 21. Same passage, not out of context whatsoever. And it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now take that back to what we just learned in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. Who are we? according to the Bible. Who are you? If you're a Christian, if you're born again, if you have been made new, you are holy, you are righteous, and it's not because of anything you've done. It's because of what God has done through Jesus Christ. Talk about that, Jeroboam. Well, let's maybe a little bit back on the opposite. Christians who tend to say, like, I am a wretched sinner, for example. You'll see yeah, this is yeah. like kind of the Augustinian tradition, yeah. the Puritan tradition. A lot of uh, Reformed folks yeah. still say that Christians self-identify as sinner. And uh, we're, we're simply saying, do you, I mean, if you believe that, the, the show is what do you believe? If you believe that, I believe you're setting yourself up either for a much harder walk or for altogether failure. Yeah. You're setting yourself up for discouragement and things of that nature. Sure, it might help to kind of keep you humble, because I know that without Jesus, yes, I am a wretched sinner, but because of Jesus, but yeah. because of Jesus, yes. I am righteous. I am not wretched, I am righteous. How about that? That should be our confession. That says, I am not wretched, but I am righteous. Come on. Yeah, now, are you born again? Because if you're born again, then you have what God said you have. If you're not born again, then you can't have what God says you can have. Now, here's the thing where I see the problem, uh, Jared, and maybe we could talk a little bit about this. But I see that people now are more readily to believe the revelation of who they were without Christ as a sinner mm -hmm. than they are to believe the revelation of who they are in Christ as a saint. Yeah. 
And so our last segment is going to be Q&A, guys. So please put up some questions. You can also uh, message them to the Facebook page so we can have them for future shows. But what makes this podcast really cool is we got different segments. And if you missed any of them, we started with talking about what the show is going to be about us, uh, what the show is going to be about. And we talked about about us, the name, what do you believe, and how we're going to be asking those questions a lot. What do you believe? Then we gave you uh, some updates on what's going on in the church, what's new at MPI. We went to what's going on in the news. We talked a little bit about sexuality and how when we take the definition of marriage away, we're left really with what we see going on in the world. And the Christians back then were right to warn about a slippery slope because this is really what's happening in our culture. And then Jared gave us some good gems about being a friend of God and a friend of men, and that's a true leader. A true leader is knowing the heart of God, knowing the heart of men, and leading accordingly in healthy uh, productive relationships. And this word right here, I think, is good for us today because it helps you to understand your identity in Christ. So let me ask you this. When you see a sinner, this is for anybody, Reformed folks, Calvinists, anybody, Christian, uh, you know, anybody that takes the Bible seriously, when you look at someone that doesn't know God, what do you call them? A sinner, sinner right? Yep. Now, there's any doubt about that? Or is there any doubt about who they are? Do you... Do you doubt that? No, they're a sinner. Why? Because they are of the nature of sin. They were born under the curse of Adam and Eve, and they're a sinner. Okay, now let me ask you this. When you see a Christian, what do you see? What do you see? A saint. Yes. Now, are you a Christian? Then you are a saint. Now, let's go back to that passage, because what does it tell us here as the thing that we are supposed to do? What it tells us that we are supposed to do is we are now to put on that attitude. Yes. This is to be our attitude. Our attitude will determine how we'll do things in life, or our attitude will determine our altitude. If we believe we are who God said we are, having that right attitude, we can then do what he said we can do. So put this attitude, uh, have this attitude in your minds and take on the new self and live it as God has made you. Yes. I am a Yrostic. I should live like a Yrostic. You are a Christian. You should live like Christ because you can because God made you like Christ. He clothed you in righteousness. You were born again. If that's not what born again means, then what possibly could he have meant by talking about being born again or being made a new creation? If the Bible didn't literally mean we become new creations, what could it possibly mean? If if we're not new creations, I don't, I don't know what we are. I know, <laughs> no. I know I changed. I know the Bible does speak of tangible change in a person's life. The Bible speaks of us, him taking out the heart of stone, giving us a heart of flesh. It speaks of us being born of the imperishable seed of the word of God. It, it's, it, it speaks of God writing his law on our hearts and putting his spirit in us and moving us to keep his commandments. I think the reason people are quickly ready to identify as sinners is because many Christians are still living like sinners. It's the it's, It fits the experience better. Hmm, I'm still tempted. I still give in to temptation, hence I'm probably still a sinner. And so they, they kind of allow the experience to conform to their theology. What Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 and what numerous other passages are telling us, exhorting us to, is to put on the new self. It says, you have experienced the life of a sinner. Now experience the life of a saint. Walk in the new life. Walk in the new self. Experience um, the newness of life that God has to offer you. So if your experience leads you to think you're a sinner, get some new experiences, folks. Amen. 
So what we'll do now is, Jared, why don't you scoot back a little bit. We'll um, go into some q and I'm trying to get this mic out of your face, but I think that will be the best for right now. Sure. So basically we have about another six minutes left of the show. This last part we want to dedicate to Q&A. Let me just say a couple details right here. Jared and I love you. Uh, we really want to serve the body of Christ. And uh, we're going to be doing this podcast, Lord willing, once a week. It will be live on Wednesdays, hopefully from 4 to 5. We started a little late today dealing with technical issues. As you can see, we're in the back office here having a great time. Uh, next time I'm going to center this mic so it's, you know, it's not uh, in, in, in his face covering him, the mic stand. But this is what you can do if you want to keep up with us. Like the Facebook page. Share it to others. It's going to be a show that's a Pentecostal voice discussing evangelism, discipleship, apologetics, and theology. And then what we're going to do is every show have different segments that we're going to run through so that you can have the opportunity uh, to get a lot in that one hour. And so that's going to be a way that you can, you know, like for me, I put on my podcast, I start riding my bike. You can just keep, it will keep your attention. And whatever questions or subjects you want us to discuss, send them to us via Facebook. Facebook's going to be the way to do it. I'm just giving you guys the website because as we start writing blogs and all those things, it's a little bit easier to keep something on a face uh, on a website page than a Facebook page. But really, the easiest way is going to be through Facebook. And then we're going to start to promote this, get it out there, and let people know that we're really, as Pentecostals, we both have our master's degrees. I'm in the middle of getting my doctorate. We're really the kind of people that want to study to show ourselves approved. Absolutely. So, do we have any questions there, we Jerry? We do. Okay. Um, we have a comment on our live feed from Angela Dickens. Thank you for listening, Angela. And she asked, "Does not being a member of a church make you not a Christian?" Mm. Good, question. Good question. And so, and, and so, another way to put it is, is it necessary to become a member of a church in order to be a Christian? Yeah, and what do we always say? We always say we don't believe in membership. We believe in discipleship. All right, keep going, baby. Well, we'll, we'll say this. You are saved by grace through faith. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. So if salvation were through attendance to a church, uh, maybe going through certain rites, as you know, like Catholics, they have confirmation, things like that. And evangelical churches, they may have membership classes and other things they want you to do. If that was required for salvation, then maybe Jesus wasn't good enough. Maybe yeah. the cross was not enough. But it was enough. It was enough to take the worst of sinners. We don't earn salvation one bit. That's right. But we are commanded to be a part of Jesus' body, to be a part of Jesus' bride. And so when I am saved, you know, the, to, to go back to that concept of salvation by grace through faith, the distinction to make is that we are not saved by good works, but we are saved to good works. As we said in the last section, we are a new creation, we're a new person. What does a new person do? What does a born-again saint do? What does somebody with God's law written on their heart do? When I was born again, uh, God changed my heart. I began to love God and love people. That was different. That was literally a change from one day to the next. I began to have new purpose in life, and I knew that I needed to be a part of church. I knew that personalities didn't matter. I knew my preferences didn't matter. But this was something that was absolutely vital for me, was to be a part of Jesus' body. Amen. 
So there's your answer. You do not have to be do not have to be a member of a church to be saved. You all you need Ephesians chapter two verses. What should we say? Eight through nine. Eight through nine will help you understand. It's grace through faith in Jesus alone is what makes you saved. And then membership is an added thing. Discipleship, though, is really the way Jesus wanted us to live. So there are churches like ours that don't do uh, membership. We do discipleship. So you become a member the time you start being a disciple, and you stop being a member when you stop being a disciple. So that's kind of the way we look at it. Did we have any other questions? Uh, No. I think we have, man, come to our final minute of the show. Jared, how do you think we did, sir? I had fun. This was good. Yes. All I have to do next time is center this mic, and we don't have to cut each other off when we pass it back and forth. Mm. Um, And like I said, this is going to now go up on iTunes. If you want to find us on iTunes, look for the church's name, Metro Praise International, and that way you'll get all the other goodies we'll be doing there as well. If you got the app for our church, Metro Praise International, at any app store, you'll see these being added there as well. And we got the website to make it easier for you to get in touch with us. But really, just stay in touch on Facebook, share these videos, message us if you have any questions. Because, y'all, this is what we believe. We want to know, what what do you believe? There's our cheesy tagline. That's it. All right. We will see you guys on our next webcast. We're so happy that you joined with us today. Thank you so much. We hope to see you again real soon. Be blessed.